I'm going to do things just a little bit differently than what I normally do. I'm going to ask you if you would just bow your heads, and we're going to pray and ask the Lord for his direction and for his anointing and sharing the word. Father, we are so thankful for everything that you have done for us. Lord, we are so great. We are such a blessed people. And we are so thankful for your blessings in our life. We're grateful that we have an opportunity to come together to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Together with your people and together in your presence. And you said, when we gather in your name, you said, I am in the midst of you also. And we're thankful for that. We feel you here today. I ask this morning, Heavenly Father, that you would just allow me to feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit and give me liberty to share what you have placed upon my heart today. I pray that you would put your words in my mouth and that you would give me divine unction and utterance. I pray that you would allow what comes forth from my lips this morning to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Honor your word and lift your name up on high. Let your scripture, I pray, Father, be embedded deep within our hearts. And I ask today, God, that everything that is said will be said to glorify Jesus and that it will be said to edify the body of Christ. Give me unction to function. Bless me now that I may be a blessing to those that hear. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we ask and we pray, and everyone in agreement said amen. amen. Well, you can sure feel it when it comes. Mm. So we're going to do something just a little bit different this morning. Normally, I would read to you a text or a particular setting of scripture, and I would use that text in an expository way or a topical way to explain or to examine or to dig out the significance of the scripture. This morning, we're going to do it a little bit different, and I'm going to take a, what I will call a text as we go kind of approach. And, uh, and I want to give you a brief overview of the words of the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and he writes to them, there's just five chapters, but he writes to them and he shares with them in those five chapters or in that letter how they should walk or how their relationship with Christ should progress. Some of you back will remember back in, I, I think it was 1986, that there was a group called the Bangles that uh, recorded a song and released a song called Walk Like an Egyptian. <laughs> and that got in my head this last week, and I just couldn't get it out. I know, I know. Well, it was because of my text. But I, I, I want to title my message this morning, Walk Like an Ephesian. <laughs> so if you could, 
If you can hear that lady singing, you know, walk like an Egyptian, you know, they'll just walk like an Ephesian. So <laughs> I was not a fan of the song. And, uh, <laughs> but I will say that back in the day, it caused quite a stir, right? I don't know if some of you remember that, but uh, and I will confess that it got stuck in my head as I was, you know, preparing for this, this service. But this morning, I want to title the message, Walk Like an Ephesian. And so I want to turn our attention to God's Word, and I just want to briefly remind you of the past few weeks as the Holy Spirit has laid certain words upon my heart to speak to you. And I've been preaching particularly about changes that we need to make in our life, both releasing and embracing certain things as we walk out of 2020 and walk into 2021. So let me just, you know, go back three weeks ago and remind you of the title of the message three weeks ago. And the title of that sermon was, You Gotta Know How to Say Goodbye. And in that message, I preached about four different areas or four different things that the Holy Spirit impressed upon my heart that would be beneficial for us to say goodbye to as we walked into the new year. And those four things were, we need to say goodbye to unfruitful attitudes. How many of you have since identified a few attitudes that you need to release in your life? And then the, the second thing that I talked about was we need to say goodbye to past mistakes and unfruitful relationships. And I won't re-preach all of this, but how many of you know sometimes you ain't going anywhere because of those that you surround yourself with? Hello? They ain't going anywhere, and they sure don't want you to go anywhere. And sometimes we just need to say goodbye to unfruitful relationships. And the fourth thing was we got to know how to say goodbye to our comfort zone and be willing to move into what God has prepared for us in the next season of our life. I will tell you right up front that for 22 years, I was happy as a lark as an evangelist on the evangelistic field. And when God got ready to change my ministry and change my calling, he began to, amen, do some things to stir up my spirit and stir up my heart so that I would be willing to release where I had been so that I could move into where God wanted me to go. And that the point of that sermon that was, was that we had to release some things or leave behind some things in order to embrace what God wants in the future for our lives. And then the last two weeks, I have preached what I thought would be a two-sermon series. This one might be part three. But I had preached what I thought would be a two-sermon series, and I called it Walking into the New Year. And I talked about some things in those two sermons Six principles that we need to embrace as we walk into the new year. If we desire to grow and to change and be stronger in our relationship with Christ. 
those six principles or that I, I, I shared with you that I felt like the Holy Spirit would have us to apply was number one, stand fast in the Lord. Number two, settle our differences. Re, uh, resolve to rejoice. Pray for a gentle spirit. Pray about everything and be anxious or do not worry about anything. And then the sixth principle that we need to embrace is that we need to guard our thought life. The battle begins in our mind. So understand that over the course of the last few weeks, we have learned that there are some things that we need to say goodbye to. There are some things that we need to release. And there are some things that we need to embrace. As we walk into this new year. And this morning I want to shift the narrative just a little bit and point out. The Apostle Paul instructs the church in Ephesus. He instructs them to walk in how he instructs them to walk in light of their relationship with Jesus. Normally we think of one's walk as their means of movement. Their gait or their stride. But understand here in Ephesians, amen, or in the book of Ephesians, Paul is using the word walk to refer to one's conduct, the conduct of their life. And he is talking about their actions and their behaviors. Here in the book of uh, Ephesians, there are at least, and there are several others, but there are at least five instances that the apostle Paul tells, uh, amen, or uses the word walk to describe the manner of conduct and the manner of people that we ought to be. He's writing to the church to show them how they are to live their lives as they are simply passing through this world. How many of you know sometimes we get caught up in the here and now and we fail to remember that we are just pilgrims and we are just strangers passing through this world and our home is on the other side. Amen. So with that in our minds this morning, I just want to briefly take a few, moments, a few moments or a few minutes to look at some of the verses that Paul shares with the Ephesians. And, and I feel like they are just as relevant to us as they were to the Ephesian church. And I want us to learn this morning how to walk like an Ephesian. The first thing that I want to bring to your attention, and you can turn there if you would. So we will turn to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1. Paul writes and he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling wherewith you were called. The first thing that Paul tells them, amen, or talks about is the worthy walk. He says, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling wherewith you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Beloved, God has chosen us. 
to be Christ's representative on this earth. And in light of that fundamental truth, in light of the fact that God has called us to come unto his marvelous salvation, amen, in light of that, Paul challenges us to live worthy of the calling wherewith we have been called or the calling that we have received. My question for us today is this. Are we walking worthy of our calling? Are we walking worthy of our calling? Worthy means to walk appropriately. To walk in a godly manner. The word worthy comes from a word that means to balance the scale. What Paul is saying is, let your walk balance with your talk. Make sure that your conduct balances with your message. Amen. Simply stated, Paul is saying, if you are going to talk the talk, then walk the walk. Hello? Amen. Beloved, what Paul is telling us that, amen, amen, that our Christian character must be in keeping with his divine calling upon our lives. If we are going to claim to be a born again Christian, then we ought to have a responsibility to act like it. Can you say amen? If we are going to claim to be a brand new creature in Christ, uh, then we ought to act like it. If we are going to claim to be a brand new creation in Jesus, uh, then our conduct must testify of the same. If we're going to claim to be a child of God, then there needs to be a family resemblance. Paul is saying that our conduct must match our conversation. Our conduct must match our conversation. Saints of God, we live in a world today where there are too many believers that claim to believe one thing and yet they live another. And this verse is reminding us that we have been called by God's incredible, wonderful, marvelous grace into a fabulous salvation. Amen. And we've been called into a remarkable plan of God's grace whereby he saves and now we we should walk worthy of that calling so that we, amen, our conduct balances the scales of what we are trying to preach to others. Amen. Now our responsibility, our conduct, is to live in a godly manner. Now it is our obligation and our assignment to walk worthy of the calling wherewith we have been called. We are to walk worthy of that calling. We are to walk a balanced life. Amen. He's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I came by to share with you this morning that we need to walk in such a manner that our conduct or our lives will bring glory and honor to Jesus and his church. And I came to just challenge each one of us here this morning to walk like in Ephesians and walk worthy of the calling wherewith we have been called. Mm. Hallelujah. Don't claim to be one thing and your conduct testify of something different. Hello? Don't claim to be a child of God 
and you can't forgive your brother. Don't claim to be a child of God and you can't walk without bitterness. Don't claim to be a child of God and you can't walk in love. Don't claim to be a child of God and you are holding on to a grudge and pointing fingers at everybody around you of all of the things in their life. No, amen. If you're going to claim to be a child of God, then walk worthy of the calling wherewith you were called and love one another. Hmm. The second thing that Paul talks to them about, he talks uh, to them about the wholehearted walk. If you will turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, and we will begin reading there. The wholehearted walk. Amen, the wholehearted walk. He says in Ephesians 4 and verse 17, this I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. Don't walk as other Gentiles walk. In the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them. He's saying that there are those that are around us who walk in darkness and they are in ignorance because their mind and their heart is alienated with God. And he says, don't walk, don't follow their example. He says, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But he says, you children, ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him and you have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, you have been, amen, you have been instructed to live differently. He says, then put off the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. These verses are telling us and he's telling the church in Ephesus that they are not to walk as unbelievers that surrounded them. He said, you are not to walk as they that live around you walk. You're to live a different kind of life. We need to realize that when believers walk in the vanity of their mind and when skeptics and agnostics push God out of their mind, their mind is void and empty of truth and empty of morality. Their minds are filled with worldly pleasure and desire for worldly possessions. Their minds are filled with lust for power and position. Their minds are filled with lust for control and for influence, amen. And we are instructed not to walk in that path. Walk the worthy walk. Walk, amen, a wholehearted walk. You've been taught differently. Do it with a whole heart. Historically, the city of Ephesus was a very, very, very wicked city. It was the home of the temple Diana, the people of Ephesus lived pagan lives. The city was filled with prostitution and sin. 
One Greek philosopher that I read said this about the city of Ephesus. And he said, and I quote, their morals were lower than an animal. And the inhabitants of Ephesus were fit only to be drowned. He didn't have a very high opinion of them. And in the midst of all of that debauchery, Paul says, do not walk as other Gentiles walk. Don't walk, in, amen, as the unbelievers walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkening and being alienated from the life of God. What is he saying? He's saying, I want you to walk a wholehearted, passionate walk. I want you, when you give your heart to Christ, I want you to be able to put God first in every area of your life. Walk a wholehearted walk. Walk an unreserved and unconditional kind of walk. Walk Walk an enthusiastic and a fervent kind of walk. Walk wholeheartedly, amen, after the Lord. Don't do it with just, amen, half of a heart. Don't do it with just part of your spirit, but do it with all of your soul, all of your heart, and all of your mind. Put him first. And I came by this morning to challenge you to walk like an Ephesian. And walk a wholehearted, sold out to God kind of life in 2021. Don't allow anything to get you sidetracked. I mean, you know, the enemy would love nothing more than to get us sidetracked. Mm, do it with all of your heart. Do it with all of your mind. Jesus said the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Do it with everything that is within you. Amen. Walk the wholehearted walk. The third thing that the Holy Spirit placed upon my heart is walk in love, the love walk. Paul tells them, and let's read it in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and verse 2. He says to them, therefore, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also had loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Paul is telling the Ephesian church that they are, amen, they are to live the love walk. Their lives, amen, are to be characterized by love. And I love the way he starts out that verse. He says, be imitators of God. How many of you know that God is the greatest example of love? When the Bible got ready to describe all of the things that God is, the Bible just simply says, God is love. God is love. He's a lot of things. But when, when, when John the apostle wanted to describe the essence of God, he says, God is love. And what Paul is telling the church in Ephesus or the Ephesian church, he's telling them, be imitators of God. Love like God loves. He's saying, act like God. You are children of God. Act like God. 
Love like God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him, amen, would not perish but would have everlasting life. That's the kind of love that God had for us. And Paul is saying love like that. Have that kind of love. A God-like love. Jesus taught his disciples that the earmark or the defining trait of his disciples would be love. John chapter 13 and verse number 35, Jesus said, By this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. John 15 and 12 said, This is my commandment, Jesus speaking, that you love one another as I have loved you. John 15, 17, Jesus said, These things I command you, that you love one another. Romans 12 and 9, Paul writes to the Roman church and said, Let your love be without hypocrisy. Let your love be without hypocrisy. Let it be amen, uh, without, with, without falsehood. He said, abhor that which is evil and cling to that which is good. Be kindly and affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor one another, preferring one another. And I love the way that God's word translates Roman amen, 12 and 9. It says, be devoted to each other like a loving family. Be devoted to one another like a loving family. Do you know that's what we were called to do, to be devoted to each other like a loving family that shares and shows that God is in our midst and in our heart. The kind of love that Paul is talking about is agape love. It refers to the kind of love that God has for us. And agape love the kind of love, that kind of love is, is based on unconditionality. It's unconditional. It's eternal. It's based on a conscious choice after close evaluation. Let that sink in for a moment. That kind of love still loves unconditionally after, amen, after we have examined things up close and said, I choose to love. In other words, it means to love someone in spite of who they are. It means to love someone in spite of what they've done and in spite of what you know about them. Do we walk the love walk? Do we walk the love walk? Beloved, we're instructed to have a genuine love for the Lord Jesus. We're instructed to have a genuine love for the saints of God. And we are instructed to have a genuine love for the sinners that are around us. That kind of love can only operate in our heart by the Holy Spirit. But when we are filled with the Spirit... That is a part of his fruit. That kind of love can only be manifest by the supernatural work of God. That kind of love can only be manifest when we walk like an Ephesian. Walk the worthy walk. Walk the wholehearted walk. Walk the love walk. And the fourth thing that the Holy Spirit brought to my attention out of the book of Ephesians, the fourth thing that Paul talks about is walk the witnessing walk. Walk the witnessing walk. Look at uh, chapter 5, verse 8. 
He says, for you were sometimes in darkness. Oh, how well I remember. You were sometimes in darkness. But listen to this. But he said, now are ye light. Not have I brought you to the light, although that's a part of it. But he said, now you are light. You are light. You are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. I want to point out to you and I want you to notice that the scripture tells us that at one time we were living in darkness, but now we have been made light. Not just we have been brought to the light, but we have been made light. Darkness is the absence of light. And Paul is telling us that now because of our relationship with Jesus that our whole nature has been changed and not only have we come into the light but now he has made us light. We don't have them up here in Idaho but if you've ever traveled in the south you ever seen one of them little lightning bugs at night? It just goes around lighting up the night sky. Hello? If you've, if you've ever seen it, you'd never forget it. That's what he's made us. In the midst of all of the darkness, he's made us light. I didn't know I was going to say this, but he made us lightning bugs. He made us light. He made us to illuminate. He made us to light up the darkness. We are surrounded with the darkness of this world. And he's called us to be and made us to be in him the light in this world. Paul is telling them that because of our relationship, if we walk in the light, then we are going to illuminate the light that has illuminated us. The light of Christ has driven out the darkness that once obscured our sight. And we no longer live with a heart that has been darkened with sin, but we have come into the glorious light of God's good news. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, it says that we are a chosen generation and a royal priesthood a holy nation, a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him that has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Second Samuel chapter 22 and verse number 29 said, For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. Psalms 18 and 28, for thou will light my candle, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. 
Isaiah 9 and 2, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. What light was that? The light of the world, the light of Jesus. They that walked in darkness have seen a great light. And that they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death and upon them hath he lighted and shined in their lives. Amen. You remember the old hymn, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost and now I'm found. I once was in darkness, but oh, thank God he brought me into the light and called me to be light unto this world. We've been changed by the glorious power of God, and now we've been made light, and now he asks us to walk the witnessing walk and let our light shine. Jesus said these words in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 14. You, the old King James says, ye, ye, you are the light of the world. You. I'm waiting for someone else to do it. He's waiting for you to do it. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And when you put it on a candlestick and you lift it up, it gives light to all that are in the house. And then Jesus goes on to say, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. I came to challenge you this morning. Walk like an Ephesian and walk the witnessing walk and let your light shine in a world that is filled with way too much darkness. Don't hide your light to those that are around you. How many of you remember the little song we sang in Sunday school? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. And then we used to sing, hide it under a bush. Oh, no, I'm going to let it shine, hide it under a bush. Oh, no, I'm going to let it shine. Hey, man, that's what he's talking about. He's saying, don't hide your light. Walk the witnessing walk. Tell others about the grace of God. Tell others uh, about the saving mercy of the Lord. Tell others uh, about the goodness of the Lord. Don't hide your light. Let it shine and let others know that Christ makes uh, a difference in your life. Hmm. Walk the witnessing walk. Number five, the fifth thing that he speaks to us about is walk the wise walk. Walk the wise walk. Go to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 14. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 14. This is what Paul writes to them and he says, Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. And then in verse 15 he says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. The English Standard Version says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. The word circumspectly means accurately, carefully, 
diligently, exactly. So I'm, I'm, I'm studying yesterday and I'm putting the notes together and I'm praying and I said, Lord, how can I, how can I get that across? And this is what came to my mind. Imagine that you are on a high wire, 50 feet in the air, and you are walking from here to the back of the church, and below you is nothing but 50 feet. You have no safety harness. You are just walking a wire, a beam. Let's make it a little wider. <laughs> a two-foot path. Do you think that you would be careful and precise in where you place your feet. That's what he's talking about. He's saying walk circumspectly. Walk carefully. Your life may not be at stake, you know. I mean, because you'd never really climb up there and walk over something that was 50 feet below without a safety harness. But let me just share with you, your eternal soul is at, is at stake. So be careful how you walk. Be careful where you place your feet. Walk circumspectly. Walk wisely. Walk accurately. Walk exactly. Walk diligently. Be careful where your feet come down. Amen. You're 50 feet up in the air. I think that you would be careful how you place your feet. This is what the Bible tells us. In 1 Peter 5 and 8, it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. He's trying to get you off of the right path. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41, watch and pray always that you enter not into temptation the spirit indeed is willing but what is the problem our flesh is weak he's saying be watch and pray be careful where you put your feet be careful how you walk walk a wise walk not a foolish walk be careful where you go be careful how you live be careful what kind of conduct you allow in your life 1 Corinthians 10 and 12, Paul says in the King James, Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. Here's the God's Word translation. So people who think they are standing firmly should be careful that they do not fall. When Paul tells us to walk circumspectly, he's saying that we had better be walking with our eyes wide open and paying close attention to where we put our footsteps. Beloved, we can either walk in this world as a wise individual or as a foolish individual, but our eternal soul hangs in the balance. The foolish or the unwise individual is not concerned with the matters of God in eternity. And they're not careful how they walk. They give no thought. They are careless in their thought, uncaring. They have a worldly mind. But the wise person, the wise person 
Amen. Not only is he concerned with every step, amen, but he struggles to watch every step and to make sure that his life is exact and he follows strict and, and, and appropriate disciplines and controls in his life so that there can be a positive outcome. That is exactly what Paul is telling us. And I came this morning to tell you to walk the wise walk. Walk like an Ephesian. Walk the wise walk. Take heed to the path that you choose. Walk cautiously and walk carefully because eternity is at stake. So five things. Walk the worthy walk. Walk the wholehearted walk. Walk the witnessing walk and walk the wise walk. This year that is stretched out before us, this year that is stretched out before us, there are some things that we need to let go of, some things that are, have been unprofitable. There are some things that we need to embrace that will be helpful to us and apply those principles and then walk in and through this year like an Ephesian, walking worthy of the calling wherewith we have been called, walking wholeheartedly. A double-minded man will be unstable in all of his ways. You understand what I'm saying? Walk in love. Walk letting your light shine so that others will see the testimony of Christ in you. And walk the wise walk. Amen. So this morning as I close, and I, I think... You know, this will be the last sermon in the series, I think. <laughs> Somebody, you know, some, there are some preachers that have preaching plans, you know, all the way through the end of the year. I don't do that. I, I just pray every week, Lord, please inspire me. Help me to know what you want me to bring. So I don't know what next Sunday holds, except if the Lord tarries, I'll be here, right? But I just came to ask you this morning, so how is your walk? Are you walking Worthy of the calling. Are you walking worthy of the calling wherewith you were called? Are you walking wholeheartedly? Or is there a part of you that you find reserved and pulling back? God's word says he will have no pleasure in the hand that draws back. Are you walking the walk of love? Are you walking a witnessing walk where you are testifying of the grace of God and the mercy of God to others? Are you walking the wise walk and taking heed to the signs of the times? Are you walking the wise walk and walking carefully and making certain that there are no areas of your life that get too far to the left or too far to the right, but you're walking circumspectly and you're walking carefully and diligently? Are you walking the wise walk? Or have you thrown caution to the wind and taken the attitude that whatever will be, will be? This morning, I want you to just bow your heads and ask yourself, am I walking like an Egyptian or am I walking like an Ephesian? <laughs> am I doing the things that Paul instructed the church in Ephesus to do? Am I walking wisely? Am I doing those things that are pleasing in his sight? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that I have sensed as I've preached your word. Thank you. I pray now, God, that 
you will simply take what has been spoken and bring it to our hearts. Speak to our hearts here this morning. And Father, if there is a if there is an area where we have wandered off of the right path, if we are not letting our light shine as we should, if we are not walking a wise walk as we should, if we are walking a reserved walk instead of a wholehearted walk, if we're, if we're not walking worthy of the calling, if our conduct doesn't match our speech, there's some problems in our life, Lord. I pray that you bring it to our attention and help us to get on the lighted path, the right path, so that we may walk not only into this new year, but through this new year, growing stronger, more steadfast, more unmovable, more grounded in our relationship with you. And I ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you are here this morning and there are some areas in your life that you would be willing to say, Lord, I just need to change this part of my walk. I need to change this area of my walk. Or maybe just you would say, Lord, thank you for the reminder of how we are supposed to walk. Thank you for the reminder of how we are supposed to conduct ourselves in this life. If that's you, just slip up your hand real quickly and say, Lord's talking to me. Amen. God bless you all over the building today, all over the building. Stand to your feet, please. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I thank you. You have seen every single hand. You know every single heart. And Lord, all I can do this morning is just simply ask you to touch every individual that lifted their hand, minister to them. Right where they are, right on the path that they are walking, Keep us between the lines. Keep us in the clear path. You said your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Enlighten us today that we may walk the right path and the lighted path that leads to life. I ask these things, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. And I thank you for your presence here today. In Jesus' name, go ahead and sing.